Amen, 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 amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. What a privilege and honor it is to be in the house of God this morning. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Brother Curtis Young is coming to preach in just a moment here. Um, Bishop Young, I, I told Miles, uh, Brother Young, Pastor Young, I'd like to introduce Bishop Young because he represents an advanced kind of leadership that was way before its time. And um, so when I think about Brother Young, you can't think about Brother Young without thinking about Bishop Young, without thinking about his family. I knew his father, who also was named Curtis. And um, his father preached and started churches all over the world, literally. India, Australia, Philippines, Alaska, Texas, Canada, pastored Louisiana, and <clears throat> his mother, her name was Lenny. She got the Holy Ghost when she was about 16, 15, 16 years old. She was from a wealthy uh, family in the grocery business. And when she got the Holy Ghost, they said, if you don't get out of that uh, Holy Roller bunch, um, we're going to disown you. And she said, well, I've got the Holy Ghost and I'm not getting out. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so she ended up kind of on her own, but she loved God so much and she was so committed and so full of the Holy Ghost at like 15, 16 years old, she started preaching and preached around the country as a teenager. And at 17 years old, she started a church. And she built it with her own hands, this 17-year-old girl. So this is the kind of heritage that Bishop Young comes from. Amen. And um, she married Curtis Young. And then, of course, this Curtis Young, Bishop Young, was one of their children. They had four boys, all of which are preachers, and all of which have stayed faithful to the message. And they had three girls, and two of them are in full-time ministry, and the other is uh, a faithful saint in a local church. I mentioned that Brother Young was advanced beyond his years in some ways and one of those ways of tremendous strength was in an awareness of world 
evangelism. He was the, uh, he pastored one of the largest churches in Louisiana for many years. And at the same time, in the state was the foreign missions director, which facilitated missionaries and supporting them and finding them support and, um, and often visiting them on foreign field. Um, so he did this for some 20 years. While he did it, and of special interest to the Rock Church here, um, he was way ahead of others in that he quietly, he and Sister Young, took their children with them to missions and took Miles, who's Pastor Young here, with them to places around the world that others probably would have said, why do they spend so much money taking their boy with them around the world? And my guess is, is that Miles had no idea what they were doing either, except just going there. <clears throat> and there is no education like world travel. There's no kind of exposure. So on a broad level, um, what we try to do today through Hope Corps is a form of that, of exposing all young people to uh, at least a piece of the rest of the world. But this man and woman exposed their children over and over and over to different areas of the world. And so this is the kind of, um, this is the kind of background that Bishop Young brings to this pulpit this morning. He has, he has leadership in action but also he is at the point in his life where he has leadership, what is called leadership by presence. And uh, just his presence, there is an aura of the Holy Ghost that attends him. And um, <clears throat> would you stand with me this morning? Bishop Young is gonna come and preach to us right now. Amen. God bless you, Brother Young. We appreciate you. Let's give the Lord a good hand praise right now. Come on, let's open our heart to the presence of God. Thank you, Brother Wilson. One of these days, I'd like to meet the guy he was talking about. I'm so glad to be in the house of God today. And uh, it's good to see each one of you. We uh, were introduced last night to a tremendous, glorious move of God. Uh, Brother Bradley Smith was in a very special vein at a great and high level. And uh, we were treated to the glory of God last night. And I, I believe that God is going to do some powerful things in the rest of this conference. 
I'm glad to be part of it. Can you say amen? Reach over and lay your hand on the one near you. Let's pray one for another right now. Let's invite the presence of God in a special way. God, in your name, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name. stand, I want to invite you to turn with me in the word of the Lord to the 14th chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 14. I'm going to read a very familiar passage, several verses here, beginning with verse 15. <clears throat> when you get that passage, would you say, praise the Lord? The Bible said, and... When one of them that said it meet with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. I want you to notice especially the next clause. The master of the house being angry. Everybody say he was angry. The master of the house being angry said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the main, the halt, the blind. And the servant said unto, the, the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. You say praise the Lord for the word. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want to preach to you for a little while this morning on this subject. Supper's ready. Let's fill the house. Everybody say amen. How many of you believe it's time to fill the house? I will never forget something that happened quite a number of years ago at a time when our country was not quite as divided as it is now. 
the, the Vice President of the United States was scheduled to come to our city. I was invited to be a part of the entourage that uh, would meet the Vice President, and uh, it was all arranged at the airport with a platform just outside, and we were awaiting the arrival of the Vice President's plane. I don't remember how many was on the platform, but I looked around and there were a couple of chairs on the middle of the platform that were empty, and we waited and waited. And uh, just before the vice president's plane arrived, there were some fellows that rushed out of the terminal, out to where we were, up on the platform, and they grabbed those two empty chairs and ran back into the terminal with them. Someone turned to me and said, it's not ethical to invite the vice president to a place where there are empty seats, because it tells him that there's uh, business that's more important than this going on, and I couldn't make it. Well, I just want to tell you the Lord is here today. I believe it's time to fill the house. I believe it's time to do everything that we can to reach everyone. I understand that the Bible says, despise not the day of small things. I understand the context of that, and I can deeply appreciate it. But when it comes to gathering a crowd to eat the bread of life, and to encounter the Savior and to know Jesus, it's time to fill the house. It's time to fill the house. The master's not satisfied with excuses. He's not going to settle with excuses. He's going to become angry. His, angry, his anger is going to be manifested. He wants people to be there for the word. Praise God. Now, I have to tell you at this point that I'm a southerner, and when I see the word supper, it means something very special to me. Now, you folks that are from California and elsewhere, when you think of the last meal of the day, you probably call it dinner. But I'm a southerner, and the last meal of the day is supper. And I don't know all of the ramifications of this particular passage of Scripture. I know there's, there's a lot of prophetic implication, but I'm just going to take it on the surface. And I want to suggest to you that supper in this context has reference to the last great meal of the day. Praise God. It's time to fill the house for the last great meal. I believe in end time revival. I believe in a great end gathering of the people of God. I believe in doing something for the kingdom. Praise God. I don't believe this thing is going to go out bowed in defeat. But I believe the church is going to go out in a blaze of glory. And if you know anything at all about dramatics, you know that if you're putting on a drama, you don't, 
You don't end the drama low key. You start low and you move higher and you move higher. And the drama ends in a crescendo of glory. I suggest to you, this thing started on the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you today that when this thing goes out, when it's time to go up, it will be no less than that. It's going out in a blaze of glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if right in the middle of this conference, the trumpet would sound and we would arise to meet him in the air. Praise God. It's supper time. It's the last meal of the day. It's time to fill the house, to do everything that we can to fill the house. Praise God. You can be seated. Now, I want you to notice in particular the specific words that are found in verse 17. The Bible said that this man who made the great supper said to his servant at supper time, say unto them that were bidden, come, for all things are now ready. Everybody say come. He simply told the servant, go to those that were bidden and say, come. I refer to this as a ministry of proclamation. Everybody say proclamation. That's what happens when somebody comes behind the pulpit and begins to preach the word. He is proclaiming. That's what happens when you uh, take a Bible study chart and go into somebody's home and teach them the word of God, you are proclaiming. That's what happens when you turn to somebody that works with you on the job and you begin to witness to them, you are proclaiming. And the whole essence of our proclamation is come, come. The rest of the world says, go. If you need counsel, they will refer you to somebody else. Jesus wants us to go to those that are needy and say, come, proclaim. If you need something, come to the altar. If you're hopeless, come to Jesus. If you're hungry, come to Jesus. He's got everything that you need. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody say the ministry of proclamation. And so the servant went, and obviously he was courageous and he was committed. And he went to those that were bidden, and he said, Come, for all things are now ready. But everyone he went to began to make excuses. And I'm not going to go through the litany of excuses that were made, but the longer we live, 
the more the excuses come. And the more reason people think of a cause not to go. When he simply proclaimed and said, come for all things are now ready, there was the excuses that stood in the way and the servant came back to the master and said, here we are. We are at this point. I have proclaimed. I have said come. But everyone is filled with excuses. And the master being angry, he said, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither. When he said go out quickly, he is suggesting urgency. And I believe we live in an urgent hour. We don't have time to play games. No, we don't have time to play games. There's urgency in the air. I believe with all of my heart that the next great event that will take place in our world will be the appearing of our great God and the catching away of the people of God. I believe that we are not only living in the end time. I believe we are living at the time of the end. Jesus is coming soon. What we do for God, we've got to get in a hurry about it. We've got to do it now. We cannot wait. We've got to have revival now. We've got to see our loved ones find God now. He said, go out quickly. In the, into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. I call this the ministry of the helping hand. Everybody say the hand. Amen. The ministry of the helping hand. There were some that are not going to hear your words, but they'll feel your hand. He said, you go into the streets and the lanes of the city and you bring them in. Thank God for bus ministry. Thank God for those that come before church on Sunday morning and prepare the food for the children that ride the bus to church. Bring them in. Thank God for the car ministry that drives by a neighbor's house and picks the people up and brings them into the house of God. Praise God. I will never forget several years ago when I was working with Brother J.T. Pugh in Port Arthur. We didn't have a bus for bus ministry. But Brother Pugh determined that we would, we would see great growth. And so he, he implemented what he called the car ministry. I don't remember how many Families dedicated their cars uh, to bring in people on Sunday morning. But it's quite a number of them. And I remember one of the brethren in the church and I were out on Saturday canvassing. And as we were driving to a neighborhood, Brother Thames said, Brother Young, pull over to that house right there. Now, what we had been doing was something along this line. We would drive through a neighborhood. If we saw toys in the yard, we would stop there and go knock on the door and uh, ask them if we could pick their children up for Sunday school. 
And when I looked at that house that Brother Thames pointed to and said, let's, let's stop right there. I turned to him and I said, Brother Thames, there's no, there's no toys there. He said, but Brother Young, I feel something in my heart about that particular house. I'd already passed it at this time, so I turned around, we came back. We walked up to the door, and when Brother Thames rang the doorbell, there was a gentleman came to the door, and uh, I saw standing behind him, a little further back in the house, a lady, several children. And Brother Thames said, we're in this neighborhood witnessing, and uh, our cars will be coming through in the morning We'd like to pick your children up for Sunday school. And without hesitancy, that man turned to his wife and then turned back to Brother Thames and I. And he said, yes, what time will the car be here? And I kind of took it lightly. But Brother Thames is the one that really felt the urgency. And he took it seriously. And he told him exactly what time he would be there the next morning. Well, here's the rest of the story. The next day, Brother Thames drove his car to pick up the people to bring them to church. And I was waiting outside the front of the church to welcome the people he would bring. And when Brother Thames drove up to the stopping place, they opened the door and and quite a number got out of the car. The car was literally filled. And I expected Brother Thames, after they got out of the car, to pull over and stop. But what he did is, is when they closed the door, he drove away. And I said, wow, where is he going? The man said, oh, we invited several of our neighbors to come, and he's going to pick them up. So after a while, he came back and made another trip and picked up another carload of people. Now, here's the good part of the story. That very Sunday, that man and his whole family were at the altar praying. That night, they were both filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. And here's the story they told us. They said Saturday morning, they had come to a point in their family's life where everything was falling apart. They, the two of them, husband and wife, couldn't agree, agree on anything. Everything had failed. And they pretty well determined, we're going to split up. And they were arguing about the children and what would happen to the children. And about that time, the doorbell rang, and it was their answer. I want to tell somebody here today that God knows who you are. God knows where you are, and God is able to send somebody to your location. Hallelujah. There are some who will never be reached if someone does not extend a hand. He said, go into the streets and the lanes of the city. Well, the servant did that. Verse 22, 
And the servant said unto his Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And the next clause is a shocker. He said, and yet there is room. You see, the Lord's interested in filling the house. He wants a clean house. Can somebody say amen? But he wants a full house. And so the servant said, we've done exactly what you said. We have proclaimed and listened to excuses. And we have extended a hand of help. And yet there is room. Verse 23 says, and the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. And this is, this is where I stopped for several years. Yet there is room. He said, go compel them to come in. Lord, what is a compelling ministry? Do I get a gun and go force them to come? Do I grab them and drag them to the house of God? No. So I searched and I prayed. And I thought and I prayed. And I prayed some more. And one day when I was not thinking of the issue, not looking for a sermon, I was reading the Bible for devotional sake. And let me just pause and say that some of the greatest sermons I've, I've felt like God has spoken to me about and given to me did not come while I was searching for a sermon or searching for a Bible study, but just diving into the Word and reading it for devotional causes. I was reading the Word of the Lord, and I turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to ask Pastor Young to begin reading for me 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or chapter 13, verse 1, and we're going to find out what a compelling ministry is. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Here we discover proclamation. Though I speak, even with the tongue of men and angels. Verse 2. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity. I don't care how eloquent I am, how powerful I am, what my knowledge may be, and what I can expound as far as prophetic things are concerned. If I can do all of that and proclaim it with eloquence and power and genuineness, I am nothing. I am nothing. Read on. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Here's the helping hand. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Here, here we have the helping hand. It starts with the word of proclamation. And then we go to the helping hand. And if I 
take everything that I have and I dedicate it to feeding the poor and helping those that are in need. And I do that. Keep reading. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Everybody say, charity never fails. Charity never fails. Charity never fails. Now, I want you to listen carefully. This is not suggesting three rungs on a ladder upward where the bottom is proclamation. And then a step higher is the helping hand. And then when you get to the top peak, come to charity. This is not three steps on a ladder. All right. This is three strains in a rope. Three threads in a rope. There is proclamation of the word. There is the extension of your hand of help and assistance. And then there is charity, which is love in action. Everybody say love in action. We are to proclaim with love. We are to extend a helping hand with love. We are to do everything that we do with charity and kindness. Praise God. Oh, God help us to understand that we live in a fragmented world where families are broken and families are in destruction and people are hurting. There's pain everywhere. And people are looking for love. They are looking for something that will do more than tickle their ears. They need to hear a word that is expressed in love. They need to feel the hands of love. So the three things that are essential for effective ministry and bringing people into the kingdom of God is first of all, the word. Everybody say the word. The word, the word is not secondary. The word is always a part of the effort. Yeah. Everybody say the word. the word. There's something about the word of God that brings life. This book I'm preaching from today is a living book. And every time you pick it up and read, it will speak to you. It will address you. Jesus Christ can be preached from every verse in that Bible. Praise God. It is a living book. Praise God. I never get tired of the preaching of the Word of God. If I can, I'm going to get down here. Praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel it's your kind of glory of God. Praise God. We've got to have the Word. There's never been a time when the Word was more essential. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Praise God. Second thing that is, is essential is the hand. Everybody say the Word. Everybody say the hand. hand. You're wasting your time if you're going to get up and 
try to get powerful with the word. When you get through preaching, you sit down and you do nothing and you go nowhere. And you're, and, 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 and let me fall back on, on uh, our preacher last night. If we're not doing something, we're wasting our time. Young man came to me one time in the church I was pastoring. He said, Pastor Young, I want, to, I want to talk to you. I said, okay, you can be seated. He said, I feel a call to preach. Now, really and truly, uh, I'm thrilled when I hear about people getting into the ministry. But as his pastor of several years, I'd never seen anything from him that indicated a passion for souls. So I said, I'll talk to you about that a little later. And so when we got together, I said, have you ever taught a Bible study? Have you ever, have you ever done anything? He said, no. Actually, all he had done, as far as I could tell, was to sit toward the back of the building and complain. And uh, so I said, well, I'd like for you to get ready if you plan to get into the ministry. I said, if you'll come by the office, I will arrange to have a Bible study chart and a teacher's manual, and I'll give that to you and let you teach some Bible studies. He said, oh, no, 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 Brother Young. He said, maybe you didn't understand me. I'm not called to teach Bible studies. I'm called to preach. Uh -oh. And I instantly understood that what he was hungry for was the limelight behind that pulpit. Come on. I just want to tell you right now, sometimes the light from that pulpit's a little blinding. Yeah. 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 That's good. Good. He wasn't interested in reaching souls. He was looking for limelight. Yeah. We've got to have the word. But we've got to have something to go with the word. Brother Smith said it last night. Do something. Don't wait. Do it now. Brother King preached a few weeks ago here. I'm a missionary. It's time to do something about it. Praise God. Everybody say the word. Everybody say the hand. It takes your mouth, but it takes more than a mouth. It takes your hand. Put your hand into the harvest field. Praise God. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. The third thing is the heart. Everybody say the heart. Praise God. Love emanates from the heart. There's just something about it. Uh, if you speak from the head, you only reach their head. If you only speak from the intellect, you only touch their intellect. But if you speak from the heart, yeah. you reach their heart. Our situation in today's world is that we need, we need to reach people's heart. It's going to have to come from our heart. Yeah. Praise God. Jesus said, supper's ready. Everybody say, supper's ready. Supper's ready. It's time to fill the house. It's time to fill the house. Praise God. God, give us a passion. God, let us sense the urgency.
We need to go into the highways and hedges and love people that have never been loved, that are unlovable. Because I want you to know the message we have and the God that we serve and the power that's within in us through the power of God can change all of that in their lives. A dear friend of mine in the state of Louisiana, he and his wife talked. He was pastoring a wonderful church. And they said, you know, we've got a lot of ladies coming from this community. And uh, the pastor said, I, I want to start a ladies' Bible class. And so he told his wife, I want you to teach that Bible class. They arranged a place for her to teach the ladies. And here's what happened over several weeks following that. The Lord was moving so much in that ladies' class that... that uh, more and more ladies from the community began to come into the church. This is an absolutely true story. They began to come in. And as they came in, they brought, some of them brought their husband. And so there were men in that class as well. That ladies' Bible class became so big, Brother Wilson, that they didn't have room anywhere else in the church for that class besides the sanctuary. And uh, so the pastor said, well, I'll trade locations with you. I'll have the adult Bible class in your room because it'll well take care of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. He said, I want, you to, I want you to teach here in the sanctuary. And uh, I don't know what you think about that, but here's, here's what happened. Uh, this pastor's wife shared this story with me herself. She said, uh, one Sunday, she looked out and there was a strange lady sitting on the back pew in that class. And as she broke the bread of life and taught the lesson, big tears began to stream down that lady's face. She began to sob profusely. And this pastor's wife kind of spent time on the points she was dwelling on. And the lady continued to weep. A few minutes, it was time to wrap the class up. And just as she was wrapping the class up, the lady stood up and left the sanctuary, left the church. No one got her name. They didn't have an idea who she was. After church, pastor's wife asked several of the ladies, did you speak to her? Did you get her name? Did you find out anything? Because she was obviously really stirred. They said, no, uh, she came in late and she left early. Or would you believe that the following Sunday the same thing happened again? She came in late and again she wept back there. This happened for three or four Sundays. And finally, that pastor's wife said to one of the ladies, as soon as you see that lady come in, I, want you, I don't care who's sitting by her. I don't care what's going on. I want you to go back where she is, and I want you to engage her in conversation and find out who she is and what her address is. So that's what happened. And that Sunday as well, 
The lady got up and left before the class dismissed. The next morning was Monday. That pastor's wife could hardly sleep all night because she intended to go to that lady's house on Monday morning. She got up about 7 o'clock, and by 7.30, she was at that lady's house. When she got there, there was a U-Haul truck that was backed up to her front door. And there was hardly room to get around the truck on the steps to get into the house. But she managed to do it. And uh, as she was climbing onto the porch, she noticed several young men that were bringing furniture out of the house, putting the furniture into the truck. And she looked into the house, and there was a sofa that was drug out into the middle of the living room. And then past the living room to the next room, she saw the lady that had been coming to Sunday school look around the door. She rushed into that room, and the lady grabbed her and began to weep again. Just the presence of that pastor's wife in her house moved her to tears. And she immediately began apologizing. She said, these fellows are helping me move. They work on the job where I work. I'm being evicted from this place, and I don't know what I'm going to do. But they have agreed to help me move my things. They've got to be back to work pretty shortly, and I've got to be at work. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm sorry, ma'am, but I don't have time to talk to you. That pastor's wife at that point in time, had reached the point where she felt desperate. I believe it's time for us to feel desperate and to get urgent. And she said, Brother Young, I felt so desperate and I felt like the moment was so urgent. I said to her, I couldn't wait. I got up this morning before my son went to school. I did not do as usual, prepare breakfast for my husband and my son. I felt such a burden for you that I had to come to your house and meet you and talk to you and pray with you. And as she was talking, she was weeping, and she had her hand up on her shoulder. Would you come here, young man? She had her hand on that lady's shoulder. And while she was talking, she fell to her knees and she pulled that lady to her knees at that sofa and she began praying for her. And while she was kneeling in that living room with those workers on every side watching, that lady began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave the utterance. Praise God. Praise God. I'm here to proclaim to you today that love never fails. Love never fails. God, give us a baptism of love. Let's stand all over this room right now. Let's stand. Let's open our heart to the presence of God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want you to reach over to someone and with urgency, I want you to pray for a new vision, for a new zeal for a fresh and brand new commitment to our wonderful Lord. Come on. 
in Jesus' name. I want to be a willing vessel. Hallelujah. you can use. Come on. It's word. It's hand. It's heart. And every one of us have got to have the word. We've got to get our hands. Step 